All right, well, this is different for us. So I don't know how many people have heard us yet. Uh, I'm Chuck Yoish, Richard Peterson. Uh, my friends call me Rick, uh, or worse, depending on the circumstance. Um, this is my partner, my uh, podcast bromate. Hey. <laughs> oh, that just sounded really weird. <laughs> we make it weird. That's okay. That's indigenizing it. Good to see you guys. Um, so Steve and I got this little podcast we started. It's called Opening the Box of Knowledge. And it's really about us just, we really like conversation and talking and lifting people up. And there's so many just epic people doing epic things nowadays tonight. We got to witness some real epicness, um, indigenized. And so, of course, our podcast is really about kind of lifting indigenous people and indigenous voices, allies, friends, and things that are just cool. And we're, we're having some good conversations. And for I, I started this and thought, man, if like a couple hundred people listen would be pretty awesome. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have guests like uh, Bobby Wilson from Reservation Dogs, or you have Mary Patola, who uh, we learned in our podcast, she does not like to be Congresswoman. She wants to be called Congressman. Mm -hmm. And we're having these really just um, cool conversations. And we got, did the Mary Patola episode. And then all of a sudden we got reached out and said, hey, would you like to do one with Lisa? And we're like, sure. And then we got this thing, hey, would you like to do this thing with uh, where the summit meets the stars? And I was like, hell yes. <laughs> um, that was a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. No-brainer. And so and, and I'm We're right up there with them. <laughs> so I got to warn everybody. So you, hear, you might know me as something different in the daytime, sometimes at some events. And you can, some call me President Peterson. Not here. At uh, night, he's Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. no, uh, th this is just a fun project I am doing in my life. Not President Peterson, not Clinkett and Haida. Um, I'm still Kachung. <laughs> yeah. I'm always I'm actually be... just elevated a little bit when I'm next to this guy. <laughs> oh, whatever, Mr. Legislative Citations and Oy. Kennedy Honor. I got a citation too. I know I've had many citations. <laughs> I've had a lot of citations too. Um Hune, keep quiet. Keep quiet. So my, my brother Hune is in the audience, and a, a few years ago, I get elected president of Clinton Haida, right? And he said, hey, you want to come to my class? And I was like, yeah, that'd be rad. And I go in, and then we just can't help telling stories on each other, but all of our stories really end up with me being embarrassed or making a <laughs> fool of myself. And so we shared the story of our road trip through Canada. And let's just say that I grew up in a very small, isolated village, did not get out. My dad's joke used to be, if we go on vacation, we don't go south of Saxman. And he <laughs> meant it. So we go to Canada, and, you know, there's a famous Canadian dish on the menu. And I glance it over, and I go to order it. I'll just say, it's pronounced poutine. Mm. Poutine. And we'll leave it at that. 
<laughs> I might. Or else another have, citation will come out. <laughs> I, I, I might have called it something else. <clears throat> Not allowed in Canada anymore. <laughs> <laughs> basically, basically. So, um, Kune, we shared that with his class. So, President Peterson. Describe the dish. <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful dish. It's yeah. French fries. It's covered in That's gravy. Fine. Oh, yeah. Um, cheese curds. <laughs> cheese curds. Uh, yes. Could very easily be mistaken for something else mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it only costs like two loonies or something like well I, I did say i grew up in the village and i drank tang there i told mm -hmm. myself you know what i mean there right <laughs> that's what i heard anyways um i have no filters in life i tell stories <laughs> on myself i don't care i'm the guy who meets the president of the united states and awkwardly reaches over Secret Service and they want to pull their guns on him. <laughs> I am You're like, I'm president too. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, yeah. No, that was embarrassing. I'm the guy who meets Angelina Jolie at a VAWA conference and I go to shake her hand. She goes to hug me and I'm afraid to touch her. <laughs> no, so I, 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 I don't care. I have no filters and we tell stories and we have conversations. But the bottom line is we want to lift people up and celebrate people who are doing awesome things. And so I live my life by our traditional values, hold each other up, reverence for creator, humor. So I'm not afraid to laugh at myself or make a fool of myself. But uh, I do have a different day job where I try to be a little more serious and a little more put together. <laughs> So I just want to say I'm super honored to be here. I love sharing this space with my brother, Kachung. Um, we have great conversations. And um, representation matters, right? Absolutely. Yeah, well. And it's something I, I believe wholeheartedly. And I grew up, like all of us, um, not seeing myself represented in media or pop culture or really anywhere other than our village or our homes. And so now we're kind of in this age where we're seeing um, our, our stories out there. We're seeing uh, through storytelling and art and music and media and TV. And I think Juno's kind of like this really cool hotbed just, uh, that's you know just building on this and, it, and it's building. And Perseverance Theater is such a cool thing too. Uh, we got to do a podcast that has yet to come out with the uh, board chair, Joe Bedard. And so, you know, talking about, uh, I'm going to date myself, like over 30 years ago in high school, I saw my first play in my life, and it was a perseverance play that came to Mount Edgecombe. And it was the coolest story that like kind of actually made me really dig into some history and books. And it was a fictional meeting and encounter between Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Hmm. And it blew my mind. And then I joined drama club and did these things that I would have never done as a kid from the village. So, you know, Frank, we just watched your amazing play brought to life by these amazing actors and maybe real fast, we should just inter have you all introduce yourselves to the podcast audience that's not here. Great. Yeah. Uh, goodness, Cheesh. Um, quite the introduction. Um, yeah. No, this is, first of all, shout out to Perseverance for giving us a space to, 
to do, uh, to put, to not only do these shows, but to put them on the forefront and to really hold us up. And I appreciate uh, everyone that came to it. Um, and uh, this is U there's UAS students here, and I went to UAS last Ooh. year, and I'm an alumni. So, uh, you know, I see you. And, um, but yeah, uh, I'm Frank, <laughs> uh, and I, I wrote and directed this. Um, and this was, uh, uh, has been literally a dream come true. Um, many dreams and nightmares uh, <laughs> that went into this play. But um, yeah, this, this has been really sort of an awesome thing. And I, I couldn't have done it without perseverance and the support from the community. And, um, you know, but most importantly, these amazing artists over here that help bring, um, you know, the, the, like I said a million times, they're all ride or die because they're trying to make my, my dream come true. And sometimes it's confusing and it leaves more questions a lot of times, but um, they were there no matter what. And any direction or any idea that we had, we went with and uh, you put on an amazing show. And I love, um, you know, the ownership that these actors have taken of these parts. And that's something that we've talked about since the very beginning is, is taking ownership of these parts and bring them to life so we could believe that these are who you are. And you watched a show like tonight and this is who you are. Like we believe it wholeheartedly. So uh, I appreciate you all so much. Mm. Uh, uh, I'm Jake. I played John, Clay Ka, um, in Frank's show. I worked with Frank before and he's just kind of a genius. So it was like when you heard I, it on here, I, I, I said, I said, kind of, kind of a genius. Frank. <laughs> we might edit Slow down. But when he's I knew, kinda. when I was, when I was told he was doing this and they asked me to do it, I said, well, what time and who's bringing the poutine? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Gosh, I mean, he really is a genius. What Frank does is he just, he dives into the ocean and he comes out with a raw gem and then he lets us all take a whack at it. You know, he doesn't, he's not, he has no ego about it. It's just something you don't encounter very much at all in this business. And, and it's really special. And I mean, I would just do, I would just do Frank's plays if that was the only option for the rest of my career, because they're just, he speaks in my cadence and my rhythm and my language. It's in my DNA. He's from my hometown. It's like, I have such pride in this young guy over here. And, um, his, his poutine's that good. Is that good? His poutine. The gravy. It, is oh, that good? It is that good. Very little cheese curds though. No, I, uh, well, Lactose intolerant. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, that's 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 me. Good luck, cheese, Jake. You're a genius. Did you know that? Oh, five I think minutes. It was a, the whole time. Every time. <laughs> Wait five minutes. Just we'll, we'll edit that. Okay, we'll edit that out. Uh, <laughs> Ed Littlefield, um, I did sound and music uh, for the show, and are we talking about Frank now? Is that what we're doing? Is that why we're here? Is that why we're here? <laughs> uh, four or five plays with Frank now, uh, doing uh, specifically sound and music, and I love that he usually puts... Ed will figure this out in the <laughs> script. It's very cool, and uh, I love to have the challenge of 
trying to figure out what you want. So, yeah, my favorite thing with Ed is I wrote that in the, um, in the play, and I wrote, Ed will figure this out. We went down to Los Angeles, and the producers were like, who the hell is Ed? <laughs> and I go, oh, shit, you got to get Ed. He's going to figure this out. And they go, we can't afford Ed. And I go, you don't know that. <laughs> and they go, who is this? And I go, I don't know. He'll, he'll do all. He'll fix all this. And they're like, uh, pots and pans. Yeah. <laughs> and they go, no, well, we can't figure it out. And I guess the producers then called people around. They're like, all right, well, we'll make, give him a title of uh, cultural advisor. And then he showed up to Los Angeles. Him and I showed up at the same time. And I was like, well, let's show him what we got. And then they, he was like, oh, no, 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 stop. All right, you're going to go scuba da bop bop. And you're going to go bing, bum, boom, 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 boom. And you're going to go boom, 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 boom. And they're like, and he's like, five, six, seven, eight. And then he had like a beautiful song. And the guy goes, oh. I'm going to use him all the time. And I go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of what it does. My, yeah, my Ed every time is scuba bop bop ba doo bop but he's, <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you scat, but I say you scat all the time. <laughs> Not yet. We're adding that in. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Poutine. Yeah. Oh, uh, just to continue the line, Ed is a genius. Oh my God. Ed is a genius. <laughs> and also speaking of poutine, blueberry, Pie. Oh my gosh. Delicious. Amazing. Genius. Genius. Jake Wade. <laughs> Jake Wade, blueberry pie. Anyway, um, Khashnuk Aaron Trip, you chut do a sock. I am Khashnuk Aaron Trip. Um, Rose in the play. And to confirm, right, add that I am, in fact, ride or die for Frank. And yeah. also Vera Starbird. Yeah. Um, Joe, you heard it here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, just the. Shlinkit playwrights, I think, are really important and exciting. And like Jake was saying, you feel it like in your bones, like it feels like it's part of you to be able to say a Shlinkit writer's words. And so I'm excited to see more Shlinkit writers come out. Oh, Aaron is a genius scene partner. Oh my gosh, if I can just... Okay. <laughs> anyway, don't get me started. What about um, her blueberry pie? Yeah, the blueberry, the blueberry pie was also delicious. Yeah. Jake Wade. Jake Wade. Jake, Jake Wade. Yeah. Uh, yeah, or apple. <laughs> right, we're like with the blueberries that we picked? We all went blueberry picking as part of the rehearsal process. Part of the, the rehearsal process was decolonizing what we're doing. So on Saturdays, we go do a cultural activity. And one time we went blueberry picking as a cast. And, and Jake goes, uh, would you all mind if I took all the blueberries? And, and we're like, yeah, go ahead. And he's like, and uh, I'm going to come to rehearsal tomorrow and it'll be okay if I took all these blueberries and made an apple pie. And we're like, <laughs> and we go, I, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I want to see that happen. He's like, yeah, I got this recipe that's been passed down for a long time. And like, he turns it into blueberry apple pie. And he's like, wait, what did I say? Clearly, <laughs> clearly a genius. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, back to Kenny. Sorry, Kenny. Oh, oh yeah, no worries. Um, but how come anywhere in Yach Kenny Ramos, which he and Yanyue, we each a Hebanagus, now Pum Welch, Kreshamak, Barona Indian Reservation, Kupai. My name is Kenny Ramos. I'm from the Barona Band of Mission Indians and the Kumeyaay Nation, and I grew up on the Barona Indian Reservation in San Diego County. And um, I played Anthony Tony Williams in the play. Uh, Tony! Tony! Tony. Um, and yeah, this is my first play with Frank, although I saw Frank's play, I don't know if it was your first play, They Don't Talk Back. Was that your first play? in Los Angeles, and that was really an inspiration for me because that's when I was starting to get into theater. 
Um, and that, that, that play has always stuck with me. Um, and so I was really excited at the opportunity to work on this play with Frank. Um, and it's my second play at Perseverance. Um, I previously worked on, I'm also, okay, I'm a stan. I'm a stan for Frank and I'm a stan for Vera. I'm a stan for them all. Um, but I was in Devilfish a couple years ago before the pandemic. And it's a real a pleasure being back here. I think there really is just something so um, special about making Tlingit theater and Tlingit Ani. And there's just like, as a non-Tlingit, I'm a non-Tlingit. Um, and it's, right, surprise, <laughs> a non-one, sorry. Show's over. Um, but I just, yeah, there's nothing like my experiences here making Tlingit theater with Tlingit artists in your homelands. And I'm just really, just really honestly happy to be here, um, to be a part of it. And um, it's kind of, revolutionary of what happens here for the rest, I can't wait for the rest of the American theater to catch up to the art that's being done here because this is the art that's really needed and necessary. And um, yeah, I just really love being a part of it. So congratulations for having me. Kenny, you're just a genius. You're a genius. <laughs> you're a genius. <laughs> well, one, one thing that came full circle that we sort of remembered and or realized on, on opening night is Kenny comes up and he goes, you wrote this in San Diego. I'm from San Diego. My tribe's from San Diego. And he's like, it's just amazing how it came full circle like that. And I was like, that's really interesting because um, I, I was a playwright resident at, uh, um, in San Diego and that's when I wrote this thing. And it's just sort of amazing that we had Kenny here and it's, you know, it, feel, it felt very, very cool that you're a part of this here because like a part of me and a part of their all came into this play, so that's really cool. And you're a genius. Yes. So speaking of more geniuses, oh. uh, Jill Costine Reserve. Oh my God! Got to get a shout out. Uh, her label is Apprentice uh, for Musician, but she is also a genius. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is very cool because I've actually known Costine for. Uh, I taught her in the Sitka Fine Arts Camp for a number of years, and then you come, you know, full circle. We're all like making those connections, which I really love. Um, you're like six, eight years later, you're like, hey, let's do a piece together. So huge shout out! She was doing awesome back there, more than more than just an apprentice. Mm -hmm. It was it was really beautiful, and I would just want to say Frank was gorgeous, loved it. I had some familiarity with it for some Tell reason. Tell him why. I just Tell really him why. Felt like really connected to. Him. Uh, but I won't get into that. Um, I, I'm a musician, everyone. Uh, one of the things I do, I've been playing music for a long time. So it really felt like at, at times I was in a, in a concert. And it was beautiful. Uh, the cadence of, of, of your lines with the music and everything, it was, it was really, it was riveting. And I absolutely loved it. I think that was one of the favorite parts of it for me. And, and I think that's just because that's my background. So, I, I mean, that's, so that's my question to you first, is, is this the, the, the music and the unconventional <laughs> instruments that, that you're using? I wish people could see what we're seeing right now. Yeah, it's, um, it's pretty awesome. Uh, Frank was like, hey, you want to act? I'm like, no, no, not really. He goes, okay, so I'll put you in the play. So, and the whole time, I'll have you write the music. Anyway, uh, we did that reading where a person who shall not be named was actually reading <clears throat> one of the parts. <clears throat> your part. Um, uh, Jake's part. And uh, so we, we did a development and kind of created the first overview of the, all the sounds. And uh it was really cool because it was just one person, but I had a lot of freedom to grab stuff. And uh, Joseph Biagini 
pulled out stuff from the costume shop downstairs, from like the thrift stores. <laughs> we just started finding stuff. Um, so it was really fun to play around with that. But uh, speaking of the non-traditional ones, we've got a thunder sheet in the back there. It's that big metal thing on the far right. If, you, if you're in here, they painted it so it blends in. Uh, we've got a washboard uh, oh, oh, that Jill plays My with abs. spoons. Yeah. yeah, it's Kenny's abs. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, ab. Uh, but also the cool thing is we were trying to match. It wasn't necessarily Foley. It was more soundscapes with Foley in mind. So like the hummingbird scene, I was like, oh, man, how do we make a hummingbird? For the reading, I think I was like going. But you can always hear my. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So that hummingbird's out of breath. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> it's a long scene. Hurry up. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I've made these things called um, essentially oh, bouncy balls attached to a stick or a dowel, and you can rub on pretty much any surface. But I wanted a bigger sound. So I got some two dog toys from Ace Hardware at downtown. Yeah. I got a piece of threaded steel. We chopped it up right down here, stuck it through the dog toy, and uh, proceeded to like rub it against everything in the theater to find out what sounded best. Uh, genius. genius, yeah, Ge essentially. So anyway, we had a really good time making up these sound effects with Foley in mind. So it's not necessarily Foley is like the actual sound. So like, you that, know. That part, I think that's where I'm gonna actually have a sore neck. Yeah, because I just did this whip. <laughs> so I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> so I absolutely love that. It was genius. You know, throw genius around. Genius is being thrown around tonight, um, but for real. So, you know, I'm not an artist. I'm not a writer. I'm not an actor. I'm a consumer. I like it. I come and I, I just take it in. And um, I have a couple of really kind of strong questions because this is my second time seeing it. And the first time I thought, man, this is great. The second time I really got sucked into it more than I thought I was going to. And I started really paying attention to some things. One, um, again, we're on Klinka Ani, right? And the use and blending in language and kind of going back and forth really impacted me and, and was getting my mind going in a lot of ways. But then just how musical it was. And, you know, I don't know, Ed, you know, we're all in the same orbits. But I've heard, you know, this guy's a musical genius. And I've heard that before. Literally, this is how you've been described. And I watched this and I thought, holy shit, this guy's a musical genius. Because I, and I, and I need to understand and I need to ask, you know, what was going through your mind when you're writing this that you really incorporated the sound effects in the way that you did not in the background so per se, but just kind of slightly in the background. And it was such a part of the story. That's a really, really good question. So I saw Ed do Eurydice. Was it Eurydice? Yay. Eurydice like 10 years ago? Robin was in it. Um, Eurydice a long time ago. And he was just like hidden under the stage and he's doing all these wacky sounds. And I was like, I'm going to remember that. And so I remember that when I was writing this and I, to kind of go back to what Ed was saying, he goes, you know, man, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to act on stage anymore. And I was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to put you on stage <laughs> the whole time. But it also kind of fit because I wanted to mold it after like a song leader during celebration, during celebration, the song leader, co leader comes up, is on the stage, is sort of guiding where everything went. 
And we actually had that conversation during rehearsal process is like, do the lights go first? Are we doing off the lights? Are the actors moving? And I said, the song leader leads this whole thing. Uh, They're conducting this whole thing. And so Ed has to make the sound first. Everything else has to follow what the song leader's doing. Um, And it was so funny because when we went to Los Angeles, I wrote this obviously with Ed in mind. I was like, musician. (laughs) Good luck finding someone else trying to do that. So that's actually part of the why we had the musician's uh, apprentice is because we kind of had jokingly said, who's it going to, if Ed can't do it, then who can? You're like, we should start training other people to do what he can do. If you if you want to carve a totem pole, you don't just carve, chop down a tree and start hacking away. You find a, a mentor, an apprentice. As an apprentice, you find a mentor and then you learn that way. And I was like, that's something that we should be doing right now within the theater. So um, so Ed, I wrote this for him. He came to Los Angeles and he had, he, uh, hey, he, uh, and he's like, I got it, dude. He's like, there you go. And I was like, oh, he, that's not, that's not it, dude. And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, you're going to be doing sounds the whole time. And he's like, what the fuck? He thought he, he thought he was like free trip to LA. He's like hit play and he was just going to be chilling. I was like, no, 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 you're creating a soundscape throughout this whole thing. Like a, like a soundtrack. And, and one of the beautiful things that you see this go off in, in Ed's, in his eyes, he realized, he goes, well, I want to tell this whole story with sound so that if you take away all the actors and all the lights and everything else, there's a story to be told. And he, he figured that out. I mean, you hear him playing buckets, and the buckets, if you hear him by himself, it's, it's going, hee-ah-hey, hee-ah-ha, and it's doing the exact same thing that we're singing. I was like, you found that with the buckets? <laughs> and it was, it's just sort of an amazing They're dog thing. bowls. The gallon bucket two of them are dog gallon. bowls. Yeah. <laughs> just to clarify, they're two dog bowls. Two dog and bowls. And three paint cans. All these sounds come and from a suitcase. Petco. Yeah. <laughs> cool suitcase. Suitcase is the base, y'all. Yeah. In addition to all that, but um, in addition to that, I am playing the sounds, but it is a lot based on what the feeling of the actors are yeah, bringing to yes, that. True. So right <clears> there's some that. some sound effects that actually didn't work. And, and Frank's like, uh, what does that mean? I'm like, I actually don't know. Let's take it out. So that process was really cool about developing it. Um, and I hope you got you all actors with all the lines. Um it wasn't too distracting in that process, too. And so hopefully it was a, a collaborative well, process. It's a bit late now. To- <laughs> <laughs> I was actually, that was my next question. <laughs> bless, bless these actors, because we are like literally banging on pots and pans while they're trying to do like these really emotional monologues. I'm like, more pan. <laughs> you, you know, I, I touched on the use of the language, right? Of Klingit language in, in this. Um, I'm going to expose myself a little bit here because, so the first time I watched the play last week, you know, I probably should have done some homework, maybe read the playbill. I don't know. I didn't know what the play was about at all. And for some reason, I had it in my mind it was all about MMIW, which if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. Like I, I, I thought our man had kidnapped her and was holding her hostage and it was this weird thing but now knowing what the the play's about and rose's journey and aaron i'm a fanboy uh you know it's like the third play i've seen you in now and and you're amazing but it kind of to me i realized she's in between two worlds 
And I don't know if this is intent or it's what I'm projecting, but the use of language and kind of being in between two worlds and then you're on Rose's journey between two worlds. Am I way off base or does it even matter because that's just what I got out of it or... Well, Frank always says uh, that whatever you get out of it is the truth. And that's just true of anything. Um, um, Whatever resonates with you is true. Um, But it very much like even like the way it's being acted is like two completely different worlds. It felt like because the scenes with Tony were very much like dreams. And I actually even had the thought that maybe it's like what um, he's seeing through the paddle. Mm -hmm. Um, so like the style of it was just a little bit different and sometimes a little sitcom-y and like, you know, you, we have yarn for spaghetti and things like that. And then the stuff on the boat was just a completely different tone shift. So it felt like I was like acting in two different worlds almost. Yeah. yarn? <laughs> we ate that baby up. <laughs> and props to Aaron too. No wonder your stomach's been hurting. <laughs> but yeah, I think, uh, you know, props to Aaron too, because she has to do like big emotional swings, especially towards uh, in our little scene 13 there. Uh, the very, our scene 13's 20 pages, which I think is so funny. The rest of them are like three, four pages. But um, it's the very end, and she has to do major emotional swings at some point. You know, from being heartbroken to disassociated to to angry and, you know, all like within right after another. So during the rehearsal process, this is something we took the time to go through uh, because Aaron is very much so walking between two worlds. Mm. And and that's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to watch. So, you know, uh, so thinking about her having to act and go through these things and go through these giant emotions is, is, was a tricky, challenging thing for any actor. And she did it so wonderful. Genius. 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 I got, I got another question. I mean, we're on. We're the only two who haven't been labeled genius. We're not. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I'm sorry. (laughs) That was a genius answer and a genius observation. I just President Peterson maybe, but Chucky Isha at night? I don't know. <laughs> Did you hear the poutine story? <laughs> we, we gotta do all our podcasts like this or not. <laughs> well, I, I mean, being on Sling It Ani, um, the use of language, you, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, because holy fuck. Yeah. I've never... Holy fuck. Holy F. <laughs> the baby. I've yeah. never heard Aaron cuss so much in my life. Oh my goodness. Language, please. Uh, yeah, she cusses all the time. No, I mean, uh, the use of cursing in this was was delicious, the way these actors oh. delivered them. Yes. Yeah, I mean, dropping the F-bomb, just, you would, and it is coming from Aaron, especially just silence the house. <laughs> like, if you, if you, are you here today when you had your, your concussion spin and then you go, F, like it goes completely quiet. You mean fuck? Huh? <laughs> Is that what you said? It's <laughs> not so what I wrote. I, I got to tell you guys. So last week when I when I saw the play, I, I'm sitting with Rosita Worrell, who is a respected elder leader, runs Sea Alaska Heritage Institute, and I'm sitting next to her and fuck and dick face, and I was like. <laughs> 
I have bigger balls. I, I, I was afraid to react and laugh. And I look over and Rosita's giggling. And I was like, I can enjoy this now. I felt so awkward sitting next to her like, she just drew a dick on his face. <laughs> that happened. I actually even felt, though, that like uh, the, the swearing also when it was used was very deliberate. So it all just worked. And then that concussion fuck, every t- I feel like most times when I do it now, I hear like gasps. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay, you guys. <laughs> well, I think if they don't talk back, um, we had just a couple cuss words. But I definitely had elders coming up and I loved it, but maybe get rid of all the cussing. Oh, and I was like, there was like two cuss words. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. So, you know, using them at the right time, yeah. I think. Yeah. You, you know, I, I grew up in the village. I grew up on fishing boats. This was pretty tame. Yeah. It, yeah. it really was. But, you know, you get. It felt, it felt you, real. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. It felt real. It felt like it was needed when it was done to move the story. So, you know. I, I wasn't offended at all, but again, when you're sitting, we, we live in this world, you know, our elders and we want to speak. Of course, I grew up, our elders had the best jokes and could say, you know, things that would just turn you so many shades of red. And so, you know, I don't know why sitting next to Rosita, I would think that she's just a person, you know, she's going to enjoy it or not as a person. And she just giggled and she was so proud of the whole thing. So it was great. Um, you know, with opening the box of knowledge, it's usually Kachung and Sam, our awesome sound guy, sitting around my kitchen table. And then we have guests either. At a screen. Yeah. <laughs> so most of our guests, you know, like Bobby Wilson or Mary Patola, Lisa Murkowski, they're joining us by Zoom. We, we're lucky we had Joe join us in person. But this, I'll actually got to tell you, I am really nervous right now, all looking out, and I keep staring at all of you like, oh, my God, they're watching us. <laughs> um, we have this audience here, and I'm, I'm really curious if the audience has questions or want to chime in. Marcelo in front, who, you know, we're just referring to his sister, so. I wouldn't worry about Rosita. She's heard it before. <laughs> <laughs> it's my sister. But what I really wanted to say to you people, and I really appreciate it, is that I was probably here at one of the few here at the first opening of the Perseverance, you know, in the early 70s. And I've been here many, many times. And it, I'm not sure when we started seeing more plays that were, you know, had a, a that showed more of our our people in it, and I appreciate it very much. And you know, and I've listened to your music also before, so it, it's, I've enjoyed that. You know, I've been uh, involved in in uh, theater years ago, and you know, uh, when I was young. Pretty recently, though, too, I had young. Yeah, it was recent, but that, somebody talked me into it. But <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, at um, I did plays when I was in college and in other places too. So, but I wanted to say thank you because I think that it's nice to see some of our people here in the theater. I mean, it, it kind of makes the whole place open to us, and, and especially here in Juneau, which when the theater opened here, it really felt like you know, our town was coming 
you know, in, into a city, you know. I mean, because up until that time, it was very seldom that you'd see any any plays here in this, other than from the high school. So I mean, appreciate it very much. Thank you, guys. Sheesh. Going to cheese for that, Marcel. You know, that's something that I think about. Again, I always talk about representation matters and to see plays and, and you know, art is, and music, they're kind of universal and they can be taken in by everybody, right? But it's really special to be, you know, a kid from the village and come. Like Marcelo says, to me, Juno is, is urban, man. This, I, I literally grew up in a village of 80 people. Like this is big city life for this kid. And so to come and enjoy the theater and hear the language, to look and see our people, it's pretty magical for me. And I'm still that kid. Um, Again, growing up where I did, I go out in the world and I sometimes I just stare at people because I'm not used to seeing so many people. And so I take these things in and, and then I come to the theater and I feel transformed or not transformed, but I don't know. I feel like I'm in a different world, right? And it's so powerful. I don't know, does anybody else in the audience have any questions or comments? Um, you can ask Hune about Canada and poutine if you like. <laughs> Did Lance leave? Mm -hmm. Good. Um, Good. Yeah. Well, mostly just as like I myself am an actress and it, I usually per, per, participate um, in plays more than I see them. But this was a beautiful play. It was it really touched me. And um, I just want to ask Frank, uh, what inspired you to write this? Oh, geez. I don't Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic <laughs> question. Um, so I went down, like I said, I was a playwright in resident at La Jolla Playhouse. I went down there in San Diego. Um, they flew me down twice to go um, spend a week there. And it takes like a day to get down there and back. And I had this <laughs> I had this play in my head called Everybody Waves. And it's like this comedy and it's going to be funny. And I went down there and <laughs> and uh, and then I never I never wrote it. Like this play haunted me. And uh, I would wake up at four in the morning and this play, like I would have a scene. So after the first night, I just, maybe it was the heat. I don't know what it was, but uh, I just couldn't get this play out of my head. So, um, and I got there and, you know, flew in on a Sunday and then Monday I go, hey, so what are we doing? And the person there who's a wonderful, wonderful person was like, we have a huge grant due. Uh, can we talk tomorrow? And I was like, I'm only here five days. And I go, can I just write? And she goes, uh, sure. And I go, where? And she goes, I don't know. Find an empty desk. And so I go and I scoot all the shit out of the way. And I sit down and I just start writing. And the next day she was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Uh, we had this huge, like, you know, down there, their theaters are so big. Really, really huge grant. Blah, blah, blah. Um yeah, maybe let's talk about some goals for the end of the week. While you're the playwright and resident, you're going to see all these plays and maybe maybe you get like 13 pages by the end of the week. And I go, I wrote 30 last night. And she goes, I don't know what you, you could just do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was literally like, I, I don't know what, I don't know where it came from. It just, I just started writing and then this is what came out. And uh, literally at the end and I was going back and forth on whether Rose was going to stay. And then I woke up at four in the morning and I go, oh. She's gonna go, and uh, and that's where that's where the ending came from. So, um, 
I don't know where I pulled it from or where it came from. And I remember King Gisti, who uh, we have a seat here for him because he came to the reading and loved it. Uh, but he talked about how um, when I write, these stories aren't mine. And at first I was like, oh. <laughs> but he was like, well, these stories aren't yours because um, these are stories that have been lost. And now he goes, your ancestors whisper you these stories while you're sleeping. And I was like, well, that's really accurate. And he goes, does it happen at like four in the morning? I go, every time. <laughs> at four in the morning. And he goes, yeah, that's when, the, that's when they whisper. They're whispering these, you know, yeah. <laughs> that one. Um, and he go, I go, yeah. And he's like, oh, and actually that was a big relief. And I was like, oh, okay. And, and you know, speaking of uh, David Katzik, who, who walked in the forest just a couple of years ago, he came to the reading, loved it. And every single time I talked to him until then, he came. Or he was talking about this play and how it, it's gonna, it's going to change the world, and how he just loved it and adored it. So uh, when we found out we were taking out the front row because of uh, COVID stuff, I was like, we could leave one seat for him because that's where he sat during the reading. Um, and afterwards, he gave like a giant twenty-minute, thirty-minute speech about how much he adored this play, but. Um, the lines, he'd be like, yeah, oh, eh, yeah, yeah, oh, eh. <laughs> he was like yeah. responding as we're doing lines. I love that yeah. call. The call and response. When I came back to Juno from uh, Hawaii, I was doing my first Tlingit play and I was like, uh, you know, I was up here. I didn't know. It, and then I was like, dude, someone would be, and they were like yelling. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I wasn't used to call and response. But now that's like, I mean, that's that's so that feels so good. You know, that, these are the stories, the call and response is part of the protocol that has been here for thousands of years. So, um, but yeah, I hope that answers some, I mean, I don't really know where it came from. It's just a lot of, a lot of things in my brain that just kind of fell out on the piece of paper or on the computer, I guess. You know, one, one of the things that um, really takes me is, you know, Perseverance Theater, when you guys take the time to really do land acknowledgement and and, you know, I heard you talk about like in decolonizing or indigenizing, whichever you said, but you, you guys took days and went and did, you know, activities. The, I don't know if it was the opening night I was at, but it was one of the first nights and you had Wuxiin, the local dance group, you know, come in and dance and you gave out gifts. And, you know, you go to what you would say a Western playhouse or something, you would just never see that. And what's that impact on you as indigenous artists? being in this playhouse that really has embraced um, where we're at? Uh, I mean, with, any, with anything, it, it, it ebbs and flows, but the, the Perseverance Theater is always, um, so I, I think, strove to represent um, this community as a, as a heartbeat of the community, because you, you um, you don't do yourself any favors if you're not listening to the voices around, you know. And sometimes we do a better job at it than others. But I think when when you get a bunch of flingets in a room to to do a play, when I what I say what I said to Frank is like, well, this is our chance to get it wrong because. You, there's always something that's going to go wrong. It's not always going to be perfect. 
you know, it's not, not everything is going to shoot to the cover of American theater magazine or you're not, you know, whatever it is, it's going to be optioned into a film and become this or that, but it's going to be ours and let us get it wrong this time. Speaking of which, I'll be filling in starting tomorrow about getting it wrong. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, yeah. I. Oh, gosh. Like, I don't know where to even, because, yeah, I, I, I do a lot of theater around the country, and I love that I do that, and it's all contemporary Native theater, which is really special and meaningful and powerful. But I find that um, it's very, very rare that I'm working at a, a playhouse or a company that really has allowed us to just do it, do do it without any like kind of, um, you know, overseeing or in a way where that constricts or confines the, the theater making. Um, I feel like my experiences at Perseverance have been the native artists are allowed to create and, and do it and it may challenge and hopefully does challenge, you know, the American theater and Eurocentric ideas of theater. And we're able to just create freely from a, a native perspective and from these, with these shows, a Tlingit perspective, which is not something that, you know, a lot of other theaters are willing to do, to just give you the space and like say, do it. Um, and I think that the results of that are powerful and fruitful and really kind of the best and most exciting theater making. Um, and like I said earlier, I, I can't wait for other theater companies and the, uh, around to really kind of look at what's going on here and incorporate that with what they do and allow Native stories um, from the places of the lands that they occupy to be, you know, on their main stages and to be seen for everybody. And, you know, I think Frank and, and maybe Leslie both talked about this at, um, you know, at our opening night celebration, but like what we're doing here is like a, it's, it's land back, right? We're like, it's a form of that. It's reclaiming space through telling native stories on these stages. And that's really powerful. And for me as a, a theater artist, there's no other, like when I, hear, when I hear a native show going out of perseverance, I'm like, sign me up. Can I be in it? I want to be in it. Like, um, what am I doing? I'm there if you'll have me. Um, so yeah, to me, it's really exciting. Oh, I was just going to say that um, I think especially since uh, Vera's Our Voices Will Be Heard and Devilfish, um, there's been Native stories before that. But since then, I felt that there's been like a bigger drive forward to indigenizing the stage here and also making it not just indigenizing the performances, but also the space for the native community, the Tlingit community to feel welcome to come here and create our art and tell our stories. You, you know, I have to ask, you guys keep re referring to Vera <laughs> and, you know, our own Vera Starbird, who's like superstar, rock star. And now that's even known outside of us, right? Because she was those things before, but she's she's uh, writing on Alaskan Daily, which is this new show hitting, you know, ABC and Hulu and all these platforms. You know, what do you guys see next for yourselves? Like, do you have those kind of aspirations? Are we going to see you on the big screen or the small screen? Or, you know, we're going to be listening to Ed's uh, soundtrack on, you know, a big TV production? Oh, yeah. 
Well, What's up? Well, Kajung was on uh, <laughs> on reservation oh. dogs. No, oh. Rutherford Falls. Rutherford, Rutherford Falls. Falls. And another show you worked so on. We're trying to catch up to Kajung. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, hello. He also did the music for Molly of Denali. Oh, yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. You're correct. Well, we're all, I mean, there's, I feel like there's been an explosion of like indigenous cultural, yeah. you know, expression and, 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 and we're a part of it, all of us. And it's, and it's been being in this field for so many years. It's so beautiful to see that we're actually being represented in mainstream media in this way. And, and it's just the beginning. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're just starting out. So, and, but, but to, to see this happening in, in, in our places and places, spaces like Perseverance Theater, indigenizing it. Um, I mean, that's what it's about, you know. What, one of the things that amazes me about kind of everything going on right now is, is I'm just a bystander. I'm watching and I'm so excited just as an indigenous person but I don't see the selfishness right now. I really see people pulling each other up and pulling each other into these projects. And like, I, I brought up Molly of Denali, which is this great PBS kids cartoon, you know, animated series that like, every time I turned around, one of my friends was working on that show. I mean, you, you Frank, you've written on it, you know, Hune, you know, I, I was up in Anchorage recently, and uh, this kid, I, apparently, I, I didn't know this, I'd given him his first job, Joe Yates. Oh, yeah. And he's like, hey, President Peterson. And I'm like, bro, you're like my cousin. <laughs> I was like, um, and he told me, he goes, you gave me my first job. Like, you were the first one who said, hey, you know, you can do anything you want. You just have to do it. And I was like, whoa, I said that? Cool. <laughs> um, but it's really exciting to see all these things happening and then again, giving our own people opportunities. And it's amazing to see our uh, non-Indigenous friends and allies here for it, supporting it, encouraging it. But honestly, I'm more shocked and pleasantly surprised to see our own people embracing it and not really putting each other down or being those crabs in the bucket. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how like, this is all happening. You're right, Kachung. I mean, it's like, it's exciting. It's palpable, mm -hmm. the, the, the art that is popping up now. And it's like, to all of us, it's like, yeah, duh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Give us the fucking keys. Mm -hmm. We can drive this shit. You can see this. And it's, there's, that doesn't mean there's not still the stuff out there that is the bare minimum. We were just talking about... A movie i won't say the name although that would get you guys hits but i won't say it where they just do the bare minimum and it's so insulting because they they act like they're doing everything right they hire consultants they hire the one actor to have some lines well they've done their job but you can tell they don't want to hear a goddamn thing from from that actor from that perspective they just want to show you they got one and that they got a, a specialist to say, to look over the script and give some, you know, ideas that maybe they'll take or not, but we're not dry. You can tell when we're not driving the, the car and it's so insulting. So this is what happens when you get the keys, you know, maybe we'll hit a few mailboxes, 
but we'll get you there. We'll get you there and you'll have a story. <laughs> Maybe get a citation or two. <laughs> we'll get poutine on the way home. <laughs> I'm always here for the poutine, I'm just going to say. Um, delicious. Not good for you, but delicious. I th I've been throwing this word around. It's been around forever, but the Jeez. word apprentice. Uh, no, it's... Uh, Apprentice is a really strong thing about education, about how we learn things. And um, it's I've been thinking about this the last couple of years because when Frank goes, hey, Ed, can you do this? I'm like, great. Oh, what if I ever have to say no? What if I ever say, is, and there are lots of people that could do it. I want to build up those people that do it. So they, we see it on stage and then hopefully we can have that as a vehicle, as a starting point to become apprentice. So really appreciate the role of musician's apprentice you know in the future like ha apprentice rose apprentice you know no and even if it's called an understudy technically but even that role just to learn and kind of develop that as young people we all started in different ways right we all started in different things doing different things that got us to this point um, but there is an easier path of that apprentice model, which I, I think is our, uh, you asked about next steps, right? So I think you just pitch Klingit apprentice, Klingit apprentice now on NBC. <laughs> <laughs> so right. yes, we've got things in the to answer your question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tonight on Klingit apprentice, day aware. President Cousin fires President, everyone. <laughs> President Peterson. Chuck. Chuck. <laughs> Chuck Day. I am that uncle. <clears throat> you know, we, in one of our uh, past episodes, we had Bobby Wilson on, you know, from Rutherford Falls, Reser Reservation Dogs. And we were talking about how at every level you can see the quality and the difference. Like, I do want to know that movie. You have to tell me at some point. But Reservation Dogs is like the antithesis of that, right? Because you yeah, see yeah, the quality. Yeah. And just it, picked up for season three. I mean, it's, And it yeah. resonates because like at every level from music to sound to you know, costumes, it's like art, indigenous people being put to work and being held up. And, you know, I, I watch that and I always go back to the, like the clinic episode. Like I grew up in the IHS system, like we have search now and people love to bitch about search. Man, you did not grow up in the IHS clinic that I did. Kenny's been talking about that the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because if you've been in the lower 48, and you go on to the res clinic or you grew up and we had the IHS doctors. It was brutal. Like, yeah. I'm scarred. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm sorry. I'm all about it because I, I feel like I'm a, I, I go to. You tell him, Kenny. Yeah, I'll tell him, Aaron. <laughs> but yeah, like even recently I had to go to IHS in South Dakota. I grew up going to my Indian clinic, like in, you know, in Southern California that serves like uh, 18 reservations. IHS and, national tour. Over right. I, I, I have a passport. I get a stamp everyone I go to. <laughs> um, but like I got to search and I was like, oh my gosh, this is nice. And I like just the the, the services I got. that a like custom cast. Right. I have a custom brace for my messed up finger. Anyway. It's been really, I, 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 sorry, I, 
I love search. Um, it's just really great. People, and I, I talk to people and they're like, oh, really? And I'm like, honestly. You get you, fresh crutches. They don't even give you the used stuff. Right, yeah. Like, you, you just the fact, like, I got x-rays, like, right then and there. Like, when I got x-rays at IHS in, in Pine Ridge, it was like, it took a whole day. Remember, I was gone for hours. And here, it was, it was and, x-ray. And, and yeah. <laughs> I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting on the, on what it, on the picture. No, and it was, yeah, and the people that served me, too, they, were, they weren't very polite they were non-native and and it was a really it was a it was a rough it was a rough thing and and here it's uh, my experience so far you know has been really great and just the access to the services i've been able to have is wonderful um, you know usually at the end of our shows we thank our sponsors so i'd like to thank search <laughs> brought to you by search, you by search. Char charles clement Tim take note. poutine yeah <laughs> And blueberry apple pie. <laughs> I, I mean, I have a feeling like this special at Donna's tomorrow is going to be poutine oh, yeah. and blueberry apple pie. I think blueberry <laughs> apple pie sounds good. Yeah. I'd have it. Please. This was awesome. Um, yeah. No, this is you. This, this, you always close. Um, yeah, I, I, we're kind of down to the time. I'll, I'll close this out. And I'm just so full of gratitude because again, Kachung and I just wanted to start this where we could have these fun conversations with really um, incredible indigenous people doing things to lift others. And I, I, I want to say, I ran, I started with Gunakchish. Come on, man. That's Kachung. Oh, Kachish. Yes. I don't really know how to say it in any other languages. Thank you. Um, no, my heart's filled tonight. Like, you guys gave us such a gift. Like, that's what art is. Like, whether it's music, whether, you know, it's, uh, I see my brother here, Ricky Tagavan, whether it's wearing beautiful indigenous earrings, which I noticed Jill was tonight. All Me those, too. Yeah. They're yeah. little ooskies. <laughs> but it, it matters to me. I, like the gift you gave to me meant so much. The representation. Yeah, I, I get emotional for, for real. Um, growing up, I remember the big groundbreaking thing I'd ever seen is one of the Johnson O'Malley Indian programs. They did a puppet show in Hodkill. And that was my huge, like, groundbreaking representation, right? Like, and it, I'm 46 years old, and that, like, 43 years later, it's still, that's what I remember, because we just didn't see ourselves in anything. And so, um, where the summit meets the stars, devil fish, all these other plays, and what Perseverance is doing matters, because representation matters. Yeah, what? Um, my heart's really just full of gratitude for all of you for putting yourselves out there, sharing your art, sharing your love, and representing us in the best possible way. So to each of you, uh, so much gratitude. And to our first live audience, oh my God. Hey! Um, and that was opening the box of knowledge. knowledge.